But sometimes people come from overseas, some of you are from overseas, and you, and you come to New Zealand and you, and you go, you New Zealanders, um, you don't have conflict, or you, <laughs> or you avoid conflict. And um, maybe, maybe we're a little bit less confrontational, yeah? uh, maybe we're a little bit less, how, I don't know how, how to describe, maybe we're a little bit less Australian. Um, <laughs> yeah, nah, sweet as... You know, uh, may, so maybe it's true. Maybe we sometimes uh, conflict differently than other cultures, but, you know, you can't deny that conflict is something that we have in New Zealand. It's still there. And so, anyway, you've, you've heard me talking quite a bit this morning, and um, sometimes I even get tired of hearing my own voice. So I've asked Tessa to collaborate, <laughs> to collaborate with me on today's message. <laughs> you know, I asked you to come and uh, talk about conflict. <laughs> You totally did. I, I said, come and talk about conflict, and you said, sweet ass. <laughs> Look who got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. <laughs> Man, sometimes you remind me of that woman in Proverbs, like, drip, drip, drip. <laughs> All right, whatever. I'll do it myself. Hang on, let's get my keynote. <laughs> you still love me that way. <laughs> so we're talking about conflict. <laughs> or as I'd rather say, reconciliation. And wherever you have more than one person, you have conflict. And sometimes you don't even need more than one person. <laughs> and it's been happening since history began. Yeah, really early on in the, in the Bible, in the Genesis story, you've got two brothers, Cain and Abel, and they have this, this conflict um, between them that quickly escalates to the point that uh, Cain murders Abel. Um, unresolved conflict um, is a wound that it seems most of the time, time, just, time doesn't heal. Mm. There's something about it. Yeah, and we see it everywhere between nations and generations, groups, families, ideologies. Preachers. Preachers. <laughs> but today we're going to look at broken relationships between individuals and, and give some perspectives on reconciliation. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling a bit like, whoa, after um, Nagy's presentation, that was amazing. And, and a bit like this seems in some ways a small petty thing to be talking about after that. But then we actually know that that conflict rips people apart in, in societies and families and it, it's, yeah, it's really painful as well. So, But it's also a really freaky thing to preach about because, you know, practice what you preach and I don't want to have to practice this. <laughs> I really, I, I'm so keen to avoid conflict, I don't even want to talk about we it. We don't talk so. at home. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk. Um, but the other side of conflict is reconciliation and the gospel is all about reconciliation. Jesus came to offer restoration of our broken relationships with God and each other. And time and time again, the Bible tells us, it calls us to peace and unity. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. So what does that mean when we inevitably encounter conflict? Like we're not, we can't make conflict go away. It's going to happen. What do we do? If our aim is for peace, how do we manage it when it comes along? 
Tom Wright says, we see broken marriages, shattered families, feuds between neighbours, divided churches. Many of us prefer to pretend there isn't a problem. We can refuse to face, face the facts, swallow our anger, our resentment, paper over the cracks, and carry on as if everything is normal, while <coughs> seething with rage inside. Or we can simply avoid and ignore the other person or group and pretend they don't exist. Many Christians have taken the paper over the cracks option, believing that what Forgiveness means pretending that everything is all right, that the other person hasn't really done anything wrong. That simply won't do. If someone else, another Christian in particular, has been offensive, aggressive, bullying, dishonest, or immoral, nothing, nothing whatever is gained by trying to create reconciliation without confronting the real evil that's been done. Forgiveness doesn't mean saying, it didn't really happen, or it didn't really matter. In either of those cases, you don't need forgiveness. You just need to clear up the misunderstanding. Forgiveness is when, when it did happen, and it did matter, and you're going to deal with it, and end up loving and accepting one another again. Anyway. Mm. There's this weird and probably subconscious idea, I think, that to be a good Christian or to be a peacemaker, that we need to avoid conflict. Um, Peter Cesaro has this interesting list of unhealthy ways we can respond to conflict, which some of us might recognize. In ourselves or other people. <laughs> um, saying one thing to people's faces and then another behind their backs. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen this quite a lot in, in work situations where you'll have a, um, a colleague and they'll have an issue with another, with another workmate, but instead of talking to their workmate directly, they just tell, start telling all of, all, of the, you know, all of their colleagues or workmates around them. And this is actually classic you know, passive-aggressive behaviour. It's really, really dangerous, it's toxic, it's destructive, and inevitably spreads the conflict in that, uh, in that workplace. Mm. Um, we can make promises we have no intention of keeping, blame, attack, give the silent treatment. Yeah, again, silent treatment, that passive-aggressive, eh? So, and it, and it doesn't, even, doesn't even create a space where you can um, you know, have conversations that lead to reconciliation. Mm. Become sarcastic, give in because we're afraid of not being liked. Leak our anger by sending an email containing not-so-subtle criticism. <laughs> Tell only half the truth because we can't be into hurt a friend's feelings. Say yes when we mean no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Avoid and withdraw and cut off. Yeah, this is like, like in a difficult situation, you might go, I'm, I'm just out of it. I'm not going to deal with this situation now. Or it could be like leaving a relationship or uh, leaving a workplace or even leaving a church. Find an outside person with whom we can share in order to ease our anxiety. I think we see this last one quite a lot with, um, with, uh, on the internet, and we see people when they've got an issue with somebody or, or organisation, and instead of going to that person or that organisation to talk about it, they all vent on, on social media and try to, get, you know, to try to spread it out and um, sort it out that way. Mm. It's not a good approach. <laughs> um, and Peter Skazette... Cazaro says, Jesus showed us that healthy Christians do not avoid conflict. His life was filled with it. He was in regular conflict with the religious leaders, the crowds, the disciples, even his own family. Out of a desire to bring true peace, Jesus disrupted the false peace all around him. He refused to spiritualize conflict avoidance. <laughs> oh, man. Why did we choose this topic to talk about? <laughs> Having regrets. <laughs> but what if, what if conflict isn't actually bad? What if it can actually make a space for the Holy Spirit to, to work? There's the, the classic verse, Romans 8.28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, 
who have been called according to his purpose. And what if the same is true for conflict? Like Jesus thought so. What if having a conflict, even though it's uncomfortable at the time, but then, but then finding a way to get together, talking things out in a context of love, can actually bring healing and can actually bind us together uh, with something, something much deeper. And we're not at all saying that we should be going out and picking fights because no. obvi- obviously the Bible has a lot to say about not bickering over words or getting caught up in useless arguments and, and, and so much about peace and, and love. Um, and we're not at all saying that we need to get, get aggressive and, or even be confrontational. But wherever we have the power to do so, finding a way to move forward in love and peace. And we're saying that sometimes, or actually always, facing the conflict and the hurt and the disagreement is part of dealing with it and getting to the true unity. Mm. Yeah, as, as we're thinking about, it, uh, thinking about this, it reminded me of, um, well, dealing, with healthy way, dealing in healthy ways with conflict reminds me of, of our immune system. So humans, um, we've all got, uh, we're all under a constant barrage of bugs. We don't want to think about it too much. Bugs, pathogens, viruses, and bacteria, and these can make us pretty sick. But if we have a fully functioning immune system, then, then most of the time we're not even aware of these, of these things coming our way. And then occasionally the bugs, they, get, they sneak through our immune defenses and we get sick. Uh, but our immune system doesn't stop. It's still, it's still working to try to make us healthy again. And I think in the same way, we can live uh, in a way that um, often conflict doesn't escalate to a toxic level. But when it does, then actually uh, taking steps, uh, walking towards reconciliation. And Jesus talked about conflict in Matthew 5. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, then you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And in this passage and the ones around it, Jesus is trying to show the people that were listening the heart of the law. So the commandment, do not murder, wasn't like, oh, go do whatever you want as long as you don't actually end in killing the person. Like, make sure you stop just before that point. The point is, the heart of it is anger, is is hate towards the other person. And and Jesus wants no part of that. He wants us to have no part of that. he says, don't feed the anger that leads to hate. Don't feed the mean words that lead to cursing. Don't le- feed the violence that ends in death. Don't feed that fire. Put it out. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is why I was thinking about Cain and Abel, because Cain, Cain had this conflict with Abel. He was angry, uh, but he didn't, didn't sort it out. And it wasn't that the conflict itself uh, was, was sinful. It wasn't the conflict that was sinful. God said to Cain, uh, after the conflict, sin is crouching at your door. So sin hadn't, you know, hadn't uh, entered the doorway yet. He goes, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. And, and if you know the story, then Cain didn't master it. Instead of finding a way uh, to walk forward with his brother, he, he attacks and kills him. And I think this is one of the things that Jesus is uh, driving at here. It's like saying, the, um, in the case of Cain and Abel, the direction and the momentum of their unresolved conflict was towards was towards murder. Jesus says, don't feed the anchor that leads to hate. Instead, turn the direction uh, as much as you can towards love. 
in the next paragraph, Jesus is talking about if you've got to the temple and you realize that somebody has been hurt by something you've done, then go and make it right before you worship. Leave your sacrifice and go. And um, in Tom Wright's commentary, it's, he's painting it almost as a comic scene, like he's talking to people in Galilee, and if they were going to the temple to make the sacrifice, they would have tried to shut up there for three days. They would have bought a, um, a sacrificial animal along the way. Um, and then they suddenly remember that they can't... Um, give their sacrifice because somebody's got something against them. So they turn around, they leave the animal somewhere to fend for itself for actually a week because they're going to go back there again. And then they go and do it all over again. And Tom Wright's perspective is that it's kind of, he's exaggerating for effect. Like, that would be ridiculous. Who would want to do that? Nobody wants to do that. So live instead day by day in such a way that when you come to worship, there is no anger between you and your neighbor or your brother or your sister. And in this bit, Jesus is definitely giving the idea that um, resolving conflict is urgent, it's important, it has to be dealt with. We we can't um, sit on it or stew on it or let it fester. But at the same time, we do know that sometimes in the heat of the moment when there's actually a conflict happening right now, sometimes the best thing we can do is, or the only thing we can do is get out for a little bit, um, take those deep breaths, count to 100, <laughs> um, <laughs> take a long walk, and most importantly, pray. We need, we need to pray for his um, wisdom and compassion and understanding and to guide us in that moment, and then go back and try and revo- resolve um, the issue without letting it linger for ages. Um, if you find yourself getting worked up and expressing anger and not love, then we need to we need to ask the Holy Spirit for His perspective and love. It's urgent that we reconcile, but if we're still in the cycle of doing damage with our anger, then that needs to stop first. Mm. Easy peasy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah right. But Jesus said Jesus said that the most important thing we can do is love God. Commandment number one, right? Love God and to love others. But so when we when we sin against someone else, then then we're not we're not showing love to them, um, and we're actually sinning against God too. And we can't expect to be damaging people without trying to make it right and not somehow damage our relationship with God. Again, I keep going back to this extreme case of Cain and Abel, but we see that happening. So, in the after in the aftermath, Cain was exiled, and he said to God, "Today you're driving me from the land." And I'll be hidden from your presence. Matthew, uh, Jesus comes back to conflict again in Matthew in chapter 18. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a crap tax collector. Jesus does mince his words. Oh my goodness. Earlier in Matthew 5, Jesus was saying that if, if you've hurt somebody, or if I've hurt someone, go and be reconciled. And here in chapter 18, he's saying that if, that if someone else has hurt you, then go and try to be reconciled. And he's showing that it's the responsibility of both of both sides to actively seek that restoration, which is a good thing. Uh, often both sides will feel like they've been hurt, and not only that, but it takes the willingness and the desire of, of both parties, of both people, to even, even find reconciliation. In this passage, there's a sequence. So the first thing is, 
go to the person one-on-one, don't involve anyone else, go to them without, without talking to someone else. If you're going to someone else first, then that's usually gossip. Of course, if it's a matter of your safety, then that's completely different. If there's been a crime or, or you're unsafe, then of course, go to the authorities. We're not alluring to ourselves. We're not talking about that at all. But if you can, if it's safe, go privately, ask them to hear you out and hear them out too, like truly listen um, and speak gently, graciously and truthfully. Like practically, it's really, really good if we can go and talk, talk to the go to the person, and if we can go to them physically, to actually you know hear their hear their voice, to see their uh, their face, and to be able to yeah, to be able to hear their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes this is this is way too stressful. Sometimes this is going to cause way too much uh, stress in us. And so in those those cases, maybe a letter or an email or even a phone call will have to do. Um, but we all know that the downside of, of text and, um, or social media posts is they just leave so much room for misunderstanding. Which is probably the number one reason, eh, why Jesus says don't sort your conflict over, uh, out over Facebook Messenger. Hmm. That would be the reason. Yeah. Yeah, can't think of anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it takes a huge amount of courage to go to somebody and say, I was hurt by what you did. That, that's a really vulnerable thing. Or to say, I... I think something's wrong here. And so we think the only way that we can go into it is with prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to to work in us and both both sides for wisdom and and grace and understanding and and inviting him into the encounter and into the relationship and into your hearts and to have his way of peace and justice And, and asking him to help us see the other person as a child of God. And you're going to also need the courage not just to speak, but also to listen, because there might be a counter-accusation that has truth in it, and we have to be willing to hear that and humble ourselves to hear that. Also, we need to listen well, because it's amazing, and I know in my experience how often your attitude completely changes when you understand a bit more what's going on in their lives or their head, or what's, what's motivating them to do what they're doing, or all the other stuff that, that you don't necessarily see when you're stuck in your hurt and your space. And really, some conflicts are just a misunderstanding. It's, in, this, in this progression, he, Jesus says, you know, you might confront the person about what's, what's wrong, and they get it, and they turn away. And that's awesome. Um, and in those cases, it's like you've regained that friend, and sometimes the, like a reconciled uh, relationship can actually feel closer, feel stronger than, than what it was before. But what if they don't? Like, what if you still feel that there's something that needs to be resolved? Then, then in those cases, Jesus is bringing outside people to support you. In this, in this case, it's, and Jesus is talking about these people being witnesses, but they can also act as mediators. Sometimes just having the presence of someone else um, who gives both, the pe- both people, both parties, uh, the chance to be understood and can guide the conversation towards reconciliation, sometimes that can be really, really helpful. Uh, also, this this witness, this other person can be um, can be holding us accountable to make sure that it's not simply an accusation that we're misinterpreting or, or making up. And if the person still isn't listening, and there really is still a major issue, then we take it to the church or the leadership. And I 
the way I read this is that Jesus is talking to his followers here, so that's why the ultimate authority is the church, whereas if it was in a workplace, you wouldn't drag your workmate along here on a Sunday so that we can all say, no, no, that was wrong, what you did. Um, obviously, if it was a workplace conflict, then you would, there's the authorities in that place, in the workplace, um, but it can still be the same process. Um, I'm just about to sign a contract for a new job, and, and there is a um, disputes resolution bit in it, and reading that yesterday alongside this is amazing like it starts with the one-on-one go to them by yourself and try and work it out if that doesn't work bring someone else in to try and mediate with you if that doesn't work then you go to management and you keep escalating until you end up with the ministry of something (laughs) (laughs) and you really hope you don't get there yeah yeah, I can't remember which ministry it was um so yeah yeah obviously we need to be wise and um, but I think that this process can apply to the workplace and, and other ones as well. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, it's like they've, yeah. you know, Je- Jesus is talking to a um, like an inherent thing mm. in in humans. So. Mm. Um, I think that most conflicts can be sorted out, can be resolved in the in the first few steps. So when you get to this last step, it actually feels really extreme. Jesus says, if the person still won't listen, then they become like someone who doesn't belong. We don't, we don't think this is necessarily about laying down the law, but it's simply that if, if this relationship has become so harmful, then there's got to be a separation until there can be reconciliation. You know, this pers- this, uh, in the situation, they've lost the trust and kinship of, of the family. I think that um, if, the, you know, if the person that, um, that has caused this offence or whatever has happened, if, they, if they're then going, no, I'm not going to uh, accept the... the um, what, what you're saying or what the church is saying, then they're essentially cutting themselves off from, from the family. So in that sense, it's actually recognising what's happening. It's recognising that, um, that, that separation. It is full on. Like, you know, this is not, definitely not an easy, this is not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've lost trust and, and kinship in the family. But the reality is we can never control how another person responds. <laughs> Good luck trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we can never control how another person responds. And sometimes... Um, Sometimes relationships can't continue the way that they were, but again, like this is coming back to that um, to that idea of, of the direction, the direction. Uh, you know, at least we've tried to save it. At least we've tried to um, lo- you know show love to the other person and and find uh, reconciliation. But we also need to remember that conflict uh, conflict resolution doesn't always mean agreement. It doesn't always mean that we're going to uh, be agreeing with each other. Um, but we can still work, work towards peace and understanding and love despite differences. And one reason why we think that prayer and asking the Holy Spirit for his guidance is so important is because sometimes a conflict isn't actually a conflict with somebody else, but it's a conflict in ourselves. It's not um, something that we need. Even though it is an issue we have with someone, it's not always an issue that we need to deal with together or that they need to deal with it might be an issue that we need to deal with like um, resentment or jealousy or offence it might have been something that somebody did and it hurt you but they have no idea it it wasn't a wrong thing and they they just are clueless and sometimes it is a good thing to talk with that person about it and, and sometimes it's not appropriate to talk with that person about it so we need to pray we need to ask the Holy Spirit to work in us and in them and in the situation and ask if if we need to rely on him to deal with it privately in us or whether we need to go to them. And 
that that's a time when we might need counselling or to pray with other people without making it um, uh, yeah, a reason to <laughs> go out and slander. I didn't have that step in your in your work one, eh? In your work contract. No. Stop and pray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I didn't have that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe I'm a particularly conflicted person, but I do spend quite a lot of time having the, or I have spent quite a lot of time having these one-sided conflicts, and especially, well, it's really bad when you end up kind of rehearsing arguments that you never actually say to anybody. Um, and I've thought about this a lot, or, yeah, not necessarily a good way, but since becoming a pastor's wife and thinking about um, the impact of disappointed expectations and this idea um, this very vague idea in my head that maybe people have expectations of what I should be doing, and if so, I'm probably disappointing those expectations because A, I don't know what they are, and B, I might not agree with them anyway. Um, but I have, I've seen people get really, really hurt by something like that and, and leave the church or leave the relationship or, or something. All the while, the person who was doing the offending had no idea. Um, and I think that's really, really sad because... If that person who felt hurt had taken the time and the courage, it would have taken a lot of courage to go to the person they felt hurt by and share their perspective, then that person who had offended the person might might realise that actually that's something they, they could or should do and um, they would like to take that on board or they would have the opportunity to give their perspective and say, I could or couldn't or should or shouldn't because of, of this of my perspective and there would have been the opportunity for the relationship to grow and each of those people to grow um, and mature but if somebody leaves without saying a word and that's end of relationship dead um, there's, there's none of that room for growth so I really hope that we can be willing to have hard conversations in a, in a really gracious way but think of it not just um, not just getting through something that feels icky, but also that if we surrender it and if we give it to the Holy Spirit, then there could be something beautiful that comes out of it. We could be stronger as individuals in, in the relationship at the end. Hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're in the church or you're outside of the church, but conflict happens. And, uh, but we believe uh, that it can be a vehicle for good, even though it's almost always hard. Um, Unless you're a pro, maybe you're a pro conflictor. Then it's probably hard for the other person. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> hard being married to them. Um, um, but maturity, I, I believe that maturity, growing, um, you know, growing to become more like Jesus, means learning to face conflict in a way that brings ultimate unity, peace, and reconciliation. Not avoiding, ignoring, or encouraging it. And the only way to do that is with the Holy Spirit. So we pray and we invite the Holy Spirit to work and be reconciled if you, if you possibly can. Again, quoting from Tom Wright, he goes, All this is, of course, impossible. <laughs> that is, it's impossible until you look at Jesus. As we continue through Matthew's story, we discover that our natural question, how can people possibly do what he says, is eventually answered. Jesus himself refused to go the way of anger. Instead, he took the anger of his enemies within Israel and of Israel's own enemies, the Romans. He took it onto himself, and he died under its load. From that point on, reconciliation is not simply an ideal that we must strive for. It's an achievement, an accomplishment, which in turn we must now embody. 
the yeah something I've been thinking about quite a lot is that how how G, how God God's heart is reconciliation. He he longs for people to be reconciled to Him. And so the bigger picture is about you know reconciliation and uh, reconciliation with God. And as we as we become more and more uh, children of God, then we start carrying His heart as well. That's the bigger picture. And so mm-hmm. our our small acts of recon, of reconciliation are in a, in a sense reflections of this mm-hmm. of this bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and and it's so important because <coughs> radical reconciliation is the way of Jesus, and He came to restore us to himself, to ourselves, and to each other. And, and yeah, we talked about, we know we can't make reconcilia- reconciliation happen ourselves, but he does ask us to align ourselves with his purpose of peace. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here and, and you're teaching us and you're leading us today. And we invite you into our hearts and into our relationships and into our conflicts. And we ask you to do your thing, be king, and have your way. Amen.